In this episode of the Church Security Roll Call, we're going to be discussing lessons learned from a church shooting. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Chris with Sheepdog Church Security, and this is your Church Security Roll Call. Today we're going to be discussing the article, The 2017 Burnett Chapel Church of Christ Shooting. If you'd like to read that article, go to our website, sheepdogchurchsecurity.net, and look under the News tab. So let's begin in the Bible as we always do. This is Romans 12, verse 19, and it reads like this. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. So there's a lot of reasons that church shootings occur. Sometimes it's domestic spillover. There could be mental illness, drug or alcohol abuse. But in the case of this shooting, it was because of vengeance. The killer was wanting to take vengeance for a previous deed that we'll be getting into. Now, before I continue, I want to remind you to share this program with all of your team, uh, church staff and volunteers, whoever you think will be interested, and have them watch or listen to this program and then get a copy of our show notes. You can look in the description below. You click that, you put in your email address, we send you the download, download it, get that, and then talk about it. The next time you're together as a team, the next time you're walking about, engage in a conversation. It's a way of keeping people sharp and on their toes and hopefully always moving forward, right? Some of this is reminders for us and some of this is first time hearing it. So. Make sure you do that and help grow your team and help grow your safety ministry. So let's get into this incident. Um, it was a Sunday morning, September 24th, 2017. Sometime after the morning service had begun, a blue SUV parked by the side of a small church in Antioch, Tennessee. The occupant put on a black ski mask, got out of the vehicle carrying two handguns, um, leaving the engine running. When the service had ended, the, a member of the church left and walked around the corner to her car. The man from the SUV shot her several times, killing her. He then entered the church through the main entrance and into the sanctuary, shooting as he went. Um, by this time, people were running. Uh, six were shot and wounded, including the pastor. An usher rushed the shooter, finally grabbing the hand of the gun after being pistol whipped by it. The two men struggled over the weapon. It fired accidentally, hitting the assailant in the leg. He went down, dropping the gun. The usher picked up the attacker's gun, handed it to his father, who held him at gunpoint while he, while he ran out to his vehicle to get his own weapon. They held the shooter, the killer, in place until police arrived. At least one classroom was locked down. A child heard gunfire and barricaded the room, um, a skill he learned in school. I just want to stop that right there for a second. Here's a child who's been trained so much, or at least once a year at his school, that he knew what to do. And so when he heard gunshots, he took action to lock things down. And I think, um, it doesn't say in here, I think the kid was like 10 years old. So this is a good place to pause because it's a good reminder for all of us. We will do what we're trained to do. Even a child will do what they're trained to do. So as us adults, 
the ones in charge theoretically, that we can be trained to take care, you know, to handle these situations. All right, so the killer. Um, when the assailant ski mask was removed, members of the church were in shock. This person had attended and had been an active in the church for a few years earlier. He was an immigrant who came here 21 years earlier from an African nation when his Christian family fled for persecution. It was not clear why the shooter left the church. However, judging by his social media followings and posts, um, he fell under the influence of a black supremacy groups after he left. It was two and a quarter years since the Emanuel AME shooting, and this individual wanted to avenge the crime of the white supremacists from that shooting. Um, a note in his SUV indicated he intended to kill 10 white people for the nine black people that were killed in Charleston. Before the attack, the assailant posted coded message on social media sites. Um, his choice of a, his, his target church, though, was misguided because Burnett Chapel is a multiracial, multi-ethnic congregation. It seems that the reason he chose it as a target is because he was familiar with it. Um, the shooter um, had no criminal record. He had no illness, a mental illness, though years later in a, he was um, diagnosed with a, a schizoid bipolar condition. Okay, the, assail the assailant, the murderer, was charged with one count of first-degree murder and several counts of attempted murder. He was convicted and sentenced to life in prison. Um, the usher was called a hero for engaging the shooter. Yeah, unarmed, he attacks a guy actively shooting at people. Yeah, uh, congregation has kept its membership during the four years since the shooting. So anyway, all right, so lessons learned on this thing. I have about three of them, I guess. The first one is this. We have to patrol the parking lot at least 10 to 15 minutes before the service lets out. And our job is simply this, is to go out there and look for that ambush. Look for that person that's maybe waiting for a spouse to enter. Maybe uh, that person that's sitting out there waiting for their kids to come out. Maybe it's a custody battle and they want to snatch their kids. Maybe they're there to do what this guy was there to do is to start killing. Now, if you think about, you know, even if your church has a safety uh, posture where the exterior doors are locked and shut, still people are leaving. Those doors are open. There's people in their parking lot. You can see everyone's around the church. It's very hard to go into lockdown. It's extremely hard to get into a lockout. And it, it, if we're not prepared, we're certainly not going to be ready for an attack to occur out into the parking lot. And that is a predictable time, right? So a, a spouse, um, somebody going through custody battle, someone with mental illness, somebody who wants to take vengeance can sit out there and say, yep, they're going to let out here in the next five, ten minutes, and I'm going to get to killing. And that's what this guy did. So we need to get out there before the end of service and start patrolling, looking for those suspicious people, looking for that ambush, if you will. That's one takeaway. The next takeaway is we need to be monitoring our parking lots during the services as well. Now, there's two ways to do this. One is, uh, is basically a random patrol of the parking lot, right? So we don't want to get predictable, so we don't always want to go out there at the same time to go on a patrol. 
but we do want to have random patrols during services. You know, one of the things, and we're going to be discussing this later at some point, is one of the things that's really increasing at churches is the number of auto thefts. I know, isn't that crazy? It's actually trending up and it's, it's pretty high. And so why is that? Because the bad guys know when the cars are going to be there and, you know, when they arrive and they know when they leave and they know that time span, that hour or so in between that they can just go through and they can do what we call car shopping where they're just pulling on doors and stealing, you know, cell phones and what anything else that's left in the vehicle. But also, in this case, the stats show, FBI stats show, stealing cars. So we need to be out there patrolling, looking for people that shouldn't be out there. The other way we can do it is we could use it with a camera system. Now I know back in the day, and it's still kind of true today, that camera systems can cost you thousands of dollars, you know, from buying the materials to having them installed, all that kind of stuff. And that's really way too much money for a lot of churches out there. So for one minute, I'm just gonna talk to the churches that are either completely broke or unwilling to spend money on cameras. And there are other solutions out there. One of the solutions out there, and I don't actually work for them, is ring cameras. So this is a ring camera I have. It's corded, you plug it in, you hook it up to Wi-Fi, and then you just place this any place you want. And this camera right here, I just looked online at Amazon is $60. That's it, $60. Now imagine you're not patrolling outside at all because of just the way, you know, you're just not doing it the way you want, but you still wanna be able to have someone monitoring the parking lot. We'll get one of these, hook it up to the Wi-Fi at the church and place it. And so I'm gonna go ahead and do that. And then what you can see, and let me get on my phone here, you add download an app to your phone or your tablet or you know whatever you got or I can also look it up on my computer and just like that I just pl plugged it in placed it and there you go we're now spying on my neighbors now imagine this is your church parking lot right the other thing that you can look at so that's sixty dollars right assuming your church already has wi-fi that's sixty dollars no big deal that's how accessible it is then if you go ahead and you get the front door ring this is great for during the week, right? So when people show up, delivery people, all that kind of stuff, they hit that little button, your secretary or the pastor or everybody, you know, you can download the app to anybody you want. And now you can leave that door shut. They ring the bell and there you go. You can, you know, that's my front yard, you know, so that's the ring doorbell. And so you're into this whole system, I think maybe for like $300. That's it. And so that's doable for some of us just as individuals, you know, gift it to the church or, you know, buy it for your own home and just bring it to church, uh, you know, on Sundays or whatever. My point is, is this, it's very accessible now and it's very cheap. And some of these systems, you know, like I said, I'm into this, for, you know, between the ring and that, uh, it was, you know, I'm probably sitting at about $300 and then I have additional cameras. So maybe I'm into it for five or six, I'm not sure. Um, but you see, it's doable for us. We just have to, we just have to look around, do some shopping. There might be cheaper systems out there than Ring. Like I said, I don't work for them. It's just what I have, so I could show them to you. So monitor, so patrolling within 10 to 15 minutes before services let out to look for that ambush. Second, 
that random patrol through the parking lot and around the building, you know, to looking for suspicious people, of course, and then maybe a cheap camera system, even if it's just one or two, you know, I don't know the size of your church, maybe you need a whole lot more than that, but, you know, if you have zero cameras and now you have one camera for $60, that's better than no cameras, right? And so you can kind of build and grow as time goes on. Don't try to get the perfect solution on the first day. Just say, what do we absolutely need? Since most shootings, 75% of all church shootings start in the parking lot, I would say start with your parking lot and have somebody sitting watching the cameras, watching the parking lot during the service. Simple as that. And then grow from there. Um, the other thing I want to do is about tracking former members and visitors. Now, I want to be really careful because I'm going to give you my own personal example of what happened to me and how that could really, if I was a troubled person, how that is really a bad, what happened to me was really bad. So let me explain. So before COVID, I started going to a new church. And we were visiting fairly regularly, just about every single Sunday, COVID hits. Um, they went online, so we went online. And then once we could start meeting again, even when it was still keeping the numbers down and all the chairs were set far apart and all that stuff, we would go on a regular basis. Um, while we were going there, I joined the men's ministry and participated through a whole, um, a whole series of a study, you know, a whole study while I was there. And um, I actually talked to the church leadership and we started talking about putting together a safety me uh, ministry. We had our first meeting and, uh, you know, so they already had a safety director that was kind of trying to do things by himself. But then we put that first meeting, we put together a committee. We, we uh, elected somebody, they elected somebody to be president of that uh, committee. And um, because of life, um, I, we stopped going. And we were just watching online. So I got zero calls. I didn't get called from the pastor. Now I don't want to blame the pastor because the pastor super busy, has too much to do. There's actually two pastors. Both of them are super busy. I get that. The safety director didn't call me. The committee president called, didn't call me. Um, nobody from the men's ministry called me. Um, as far as they know, you know, I'm dying in the hospital or I'm dead. They don't know. And that's a way a lot of churches seem to function is we're not staying in touch. And so what happens in a case like this you know, somebody who was a regular attendee, they were shocked to see him. They knew him. He was a regular part of it. And for years, he didn't come. And, and because nobody was ever calling him or contacting him or reaching out to him in any way, he kind of comes becomes sucked into this, you know, extreme ideology and comes back shooting. Now, imagine if somebody had been contacting him on at least somewhat regular basis saying, hey, as simple as, hey, can I pray for you? Or how can I pray for you? I had that occur to me one time um, in a previous church. I was called out of the blue by the pastor and said, how could we pray for you? And it was very impactful. It meant a great deal for me. And so this is something that we have to fix in our churches. Now, I don't know if this is a safety ministry responsibility so much, though we have a great interest in this kind of ministry, is you know, each church should have at least one person 
that their job, maybe they're extremely outgoing, you know, that charismatic, they can talk for an hour, um, but just simply by saying hi to them, that calls through that list of people and say, how can I pray for you? How can we pray for you? How can we pray for you? And you're going to find people that would normally slip through the cracks or find out that there are people going through real life crises and you can actually help them. So imagine, I mean, this is almost like the church fulfilling their requirement, right? Isn't that why we're here? Um, instead of what I think normally happens is this. Somebody has to go to a church for years sometimes to establish any sort of relationship that can be counted on in times of trouble. Well, a lot of times people come to church because they're already in trouble. So why we need to do more than, if you're a new visitor, fill out this thing and they get one call and you're done. It needs to be more than that until they block you on their phone. You know, I'm not serious about that, but you know what I'm saying? We need to be more aggressive in that way. And we can prevent some of these things from happening by demonstrating that we love and care for them. And as he was being sucked into that extremist ideals, maybe there could have been some intervention like way, way, way early, right? It took a few years for him to get radicalized. What if the church was calling him? Now, I'm not saying that's the solution. I'm just saying this is part of the solution. Some of the churches out there are much larger or more friendly. I think about a very small church my wife went and I went to when we were down in Alabama. When we start going to this church, and we're talking 20 people in the sanctuary here, um, one of the things the pastor did is we were, um, my wife and I, we were married without kids. And so they assigned us, essentially, we didn't know it at the time, they assigned us a married couple without kids. And they were older. And they were like, you know, they were what they were, you know, they asked us, hey, you know, you want to go out to dinner? We'll pay, you know, buy you lunch after church. They did stuff like that. Then we started meeting with them, you know, at their house, you know, having cookouts and all that kind of stuff. And then we were going out to eat with them on, you know, on weekends, you know, Friday night kind of stuff. And it was, like I said, it wasn't until years later that we found out that they were actually assigned to us. Once again, Maybe it was because it was a new church and he was trying to grow it, but it, and maybe it was desperate to grow it. But the pastor was making good programs to, I don't know, to be a good church, which is what we're called for. So I'll get off of that pedestal a little bit. I don't want you to misunderstand that. I'm still going to be going to this church. Um, I'm still going to do everything that I can to help them develop their safety ministry and and uh, I think it's good preaching. It's a good worship service. I mean, that's the irony of all this, is they're so good at what you would call the standard church service stuff, but they're not. They're still falling short of what I think is um, an important uh, thing. So anyway, like I said, once again, I'll get off my pedestal hill. All right. So, like I said, real quick, because I rambled there, patrol the parking lot at least um, 10 to 15 minutes before the service lets out, monitor that parking lot either with cameras or random patrols. And then third, let's plug the back door. Let's, in the sense that, um, you know, so many people, visitors are coming. So many people visit for a season and then they never come back. We got to find out what's going on there by reaching out to them and making sure that there's in some crisis that we as the church can't help them with. Other than that, um, I want to remind you again, get a copy of the show notes, forward this uh, program to all your f fellow safety team members, safety ministry members, 
and uh, have some discussions about that, about this program and about what you guys can do to do a better job. So thank you so much and hey, let's be careful out there. This program is made for informational purposes only and should not be taken as legal advice.